I'm standing here on the shores of Loch Lanee, looking out across the water to Treeslig and along the coastline. There's a light Lochaber drizzle, but it isn't affecting the beautiful views I've so often taken for granted. Behind me is the busy town of Fort William, with a population of around 11,000. It's a peaceful part of the world. Like anywhere else, it's not perfect, but for me, childhood here in Lochaber was pretty much idyllic, with Shinty very much at the heart of community life for generations of folk like myself in this place that I call home. But as I got into my teenage years and early 20s, several of my Shinty playing friends, six men that I knew very well both on and off the pitch, died by suicide. He came home one day from school and announced he wanted to play Shinty, which was quite odd because I'm not from Fort William. We'd never heard of this thing. And he took to it like a duck to water and he just continued to shine from the minute he hit the field. He just lived life at 90 miles an hour, Gary, yeah, you know that. He really did. I think because he was so big and loud and noticeable that you couldn't imagine that something everybody was aware of would suddenly disappear. I'm Gary Innes and across two programmes called Six Men on BBC Radio Scotland, I've been searching for some answers as to why these six men, along with so many more in this part of the Highlands, have died by suicide. Please be aware that some listeners may find the content of this programme distressing. I'll also be finding out more about some of the help that's available for people struggling with their own mental health and what we should be doing moving forward to try to reduce the numbers of lives lost. Shinty is a community sport and we need to use the Shinty clubs as a lead as to there are people who care, there are people who can open their doors and can get people in the community to feel part of something important. When a new person comes in, if they choose to then speak, which most do, it'll be like an unload. It's a bit like a furnace that's been heated up, heated up, heated up, and suddenly you've poked a hole in it, and that pressure comes down, and their shoulders start to relax more. You don't need a thousand steps, you don't need ten steps, you just need one actionable step, and that would be turning up. There is help out there, and the more people that shout out, you know, go to this, go to that, there is light out there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You don't want any other family to go through what we've been through. Last time on Six Men, I met the families of two of the six men who have died, teammates and best of friends from Fort William Shinty Club. Today I've returned to the town to speak to another family whose lives have been changed forever through the loss of their loved one. It's been a number of years since I've seen Joyce, and I first met her son Gary through playing under-17 Shinty at Fort William back in the mid-90s. Gary was our goalkeeper and as strong as an ox and I started by asking Joyce what Gary was like growing up. Full of mischief. Um, he got into Shinty when he was in primary school and loved it. On to high school, played for the under-14s, under-17s. He played Scotland under-21s. He had a jolly life. He got an apprenticeship for welding and many a company would go in and ask specifically for Gary to do jobs. Yeah, he was very well known as a, a terrific welder in the area. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, Gary struggled for a number of years with his, with his own mental health. Um, tell us about the first time that you realised that Gary was struggling. He had four children to four different mums. The day before he, he was in here on the Sunday, had his dinner, went away. The Monday morning, he had been in a bit of a state and one of his work colleagues took him over to the health centre. So I 
came home from work at three o'clock and Gary appeared in. I says, how are you doing? Oh, fine. I said, well, how did you earn a daughter? Oh, fine. I think I'm strong enough to cope with it myself. Next morning, I got up and there was a message on Facebook. Today I do something with my life. I says, and I got a phone call from somebody that had been on the train to say there'd been an incident. And I knew instantly it was Gary. I just screamed. And it was about half past ten before the police arrived at the door. I said, oh, can we come in? I said, yes, I know exactly what you're going to tell me. Must have been such a shock. Oh, it was just... Yes, he talked about it in the past, but never in a million years did we think he'd actually do it, which is the saddest of things, you know, that... And every day you ask, what if? Yeah, of course. Did he ever kind of open up and, and kind of let you know what was going on inside his no. head? No. 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 Sadly not, because... You know, he was a big fella, he was a bouncer. Absolutely. Um, a renowned bouncer, right enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the shinty man, strong, you know, I mean... Yeah. Nothing would have said, yes, you'll do it. Do you think there's still a stigma around suicide? Definitely. Definitely. No matter how much you ask men, in particular, to open up, they won't. What do the men talk about the sport? Football, shinty, darts, you know, they don't talk about their inner feelings, especially in a place, place like Lock Arbor. And I don't think in his dark place that he didn't know where to go for help, you know. Yeah. Is there any one thing that you think in Lock Arbor, the Highlands, Scotland in general, that can be done to try and help mental health? I think, I think nowadays people will talk more. They are more open. And hopefully people like yourself, you know, make it known that there is help out there. The more we can do to raise awareness of the help, the better. See this one? It's like a little maze. This is the front room, so this is the drop-in. Oh, nice. This is the front room, so folks come in here and just sit with a cup of tea. And there's usually, usually always a on duty. This is the snug. Oh, it's a cosy room. It says we care about you. You know, it's a nice place. A stone's throw away from an air, the home playing park of Fort William Shinty Club, where Joyce and many families have spent their Saturdays cheering on Fort William through their highs and lows, is Lochaber Hope. As the name suggests, Lochaber Hope is a charity that was set up to offer hope through counselling, mentoring, mediation, personal development training and loads more for anyone needing help with their own personal issues. Alison Smith is the manager and is also its founder. I thought I was going to change the world in 40 days. I really thought I was going to change the world in 40 days because I thought that was just what people needed, was to have hope. Um, and I still believe that today, that that's what people need is hope, and I do believe that that's what we can give. After a guided tour of the building, I sat down with Alison, along with Stephen McTavish, who is one of the facilitators of the suicide prevention and mental health awareness groups that are held here. Two years ago, Lochaber Hope started working within the community, specifically looking at suicide prevention. So the last meeting was 2018 in December, and from that we had 12 people that came forward that wanted to be facilitators. So we were able to offer them training, and uh, Martin's Monday Club from Oban played a big, big part at that stage in supporting the girls and the guys to run to start these two groups. So... The community now have a Monday night and a Tuesday night group, Monday for males, Tuesday for females, and it's called Lochaber Mindfit. So the community own that now. That's their group. 
Big problems can be solved through a conversation, the right conversation. When you're going to work through the day and then you come home and you're speaking to your partner, you've got all these problems and worries in your own mind. And they're going round and round and round. And until you actually put them out into reality, you're not going to get proper solutions for them. So that's where MindFit comes in. That evening is like a recalibration night to go on with your week. You've got to become vulnerable to get help. It's so important. So as soon as you become vulnerable, it's like a gift. Other people start then to become vulnerable too. It's nice to share. And what goes on in the room stays in the room. The fundamental parts of it is personal development. Yeah. You know, like I've, I've done a wee bit of travelling and I've found that and you can move to different countries and meet people who have moved to different countries, but they're still the same person because they're only trying to change their environment. And the best thing you can do when you're stuck in a rut or depressed is add disruption to your life, change. And that means doing new things, getting uncomfortable. And turning up at something like MindFit is an uncomfortable experience, but it's disruption and it helps because you're challenging yourself. Tell us about the number of people that you are currently helping here in La Haber. Over the years, it's been over 1,800 people in Lochaber. It's incredible. Mm, it is incredible. And working with 100 all the time, but maybe another 100 who aren't maybe engaging right now for whatever reasons, because they're in a good place or they've moved on, which is, is really good. So we realised then that it was about men we were trying to target. So again, two years ago, we've been trying to get planning permission and funding to erect the, if you've seen it on the way in, the big workshop yeah. the, at the end there and it's about getting men involved with woodworking. So for the first six months of the project, we're going to be building a St Isles skiff, but it's about a therapy boat. And it's not predominantly for men, it's for females too, but it's about getting men out and getting them to be able to talk to people and to be in a safe, positive, inspiring environment. That sounds excellent. Alison, you mentioned that you also work mm -hmm. and have outreach programmes with the local high school, is that correct? Yeah, we do. And for the young people, they need to know that we are here and other people like us that are here to know that if and when I'm in trouble and I need somebody to speak to, that's where I can go. What do you think could be done more in Lochaber to help with people's mm -hmm. mental health? There's an old saying, you have to come outside the frame to see the picture. And when people are within the town and don't really leave the town, they have nothing to compare or contrast their lives to. So they end up in a little box of thinking. And the old style of thinking is be tough, keep it to yourself, get on with it. That's not a solution. That's just words. And they don't help anybody. In the communities, there needs to be people on the ground that are trained. And it's not about having a first and second chance at this. You can come back any time the door's always open. It's really, really important that, that awareness is raised that this isn't going to get better unless we start getting better at loving people and we start getting louder about it, you know, and yeah. stop stop speaking quietly about it. Shinty player Bobby was very close friends with two of the men who died. He told me about a pact made by his friendship group following the death of Drew, the first friend to take his own life. The pact was that they would all be there for each other and would speak out about any personal issues of their own. Despite this, the second friend of the tight-knit foursome would also go on to take his own life, 
and unknown to anyone else, Bobby too was facing serious struggles with his own mental health. This is what I'm saying about, you know, after Drew died, you say, we're always there for each other, but, I mean, after that, it wasn't because of that. I'd had a, a struggle within myself that I was keeping to myself. And towards the end of 2016, I got into a really dark place where I was uh, a step away, literally, from not being here, so to speak. It was a turning point for Bobby. After that night, for the very first time, he spoke out to his wife, Marianne, which led him to seek professional help that would prove to be life-changing. I just had a... I, didn't, I couldn't take it anymore kind of attitude, you know. And you don't think of what you're leaving behind and whatever else. But after I'd spoke, thankfully to Marianne, I ended up going to seek some help from the doctors, who then put me towards counsellors. And thankfully, um, a workplace, they offer free counselling, which is really good. I turned out like I had quite a bad gambling problem as well for years but it turned out through the counselling that that was my getaway from everything else I was struggling with so it was a sort of double-edged sword you know I was at the gambling and I was struggling with anxiety and depression and stuff that way with the counselling at the very beginning I didn't know what I was going into and it took a few sessions for me to get you know to break down the barriers and then as months went on you know, I found myself just going in for a, a catch-up. <laughs> you, know, you weren't yeah. going in with problems. You were just going in someone that you knew that you could speak to that wouldn't judge you. And it's totally confidential and I felt comfortable going in. And uh, it's a sort of godsend, really, that that night that it didn't happen because going forward has been a lot easier. Definitely needing support, though. You know, like, Marianne's been... A total rock. Well, I've now turned 180 degrees around on the kitchen table and I'm facing the wonderful rock that is Marianne. Tell us, if you can, what it's like to live with someone who is struggling with their mental health. I find it hard sometimes because we'll be in a wee motion, everything's going all right, everything's like clockwork, like it should be, you know, work, kids' activities, we're going, and then I look and then I can see Bobby, but I can see him slipping. So I think it's more a vigilant thing with him, to be honest with you, that you're keeping an eye on him. I'm not worried he's going to go and do something tomorrow. Like, I'm not worried like that. Do you think there's a stigma around talking about mental health? Yeah, I do. Um, men, I think, they're brought up in a way that they have to be sort of macho, they'd be the provider for a family. How do you think that could change? Any ideas? As Bobby says, like, I've noticed with him, and it's just talking to people. And as he says, you speak to somebody that doesn't know you, they don't judge you, and I notice a big difference in him from just speaking. So I think that people just need to be trusting in other people. You're listening to Six Men here on BBC Radio Scotland with me, Gary Innes. As today, in the second programme, I continue my search for some answers as to why six of my shinty-playing friends have died from suicide, as well as finding out about the help that is out there for people struggling with their own mental health. 
Something both Marianne and Joyce have picked up on is this whole idea of masculinity. Men having to be tough, be more macho here in the Highlands, the feeling like they need to be a man's man. Professor Rory O'Connor is Director of Suicide Behaviour Research Laboratory and Head of the Mental Health and Wellbeing Group here at Glasgow University. Work we did a few years ago actually working with Samaritans, we looked at the role of masculinity as one of many factors associated with male suicide. And certainly it did come out as an important factor, as a factor which was making it reluctant, a contributing to a sense of reluctance to seek help. Now, how it works more broadly in these sort of team settings, I'm not so certain about, because actually there's now growing evidence that um, there's really innovative interventions now working with football clubs and rugby clubs, which are using that actually harness that, that space that men are together, and hopefully being together you maybe start talking to each other, but not talking about mental health treatment or support, using a whole different language about supporting and looking out for one another. I mean, I reiterate this point, we need to be working from the earliest of ages in terms of reforming our masculinity, but also recognise what it is to be a successful man in today's society has changed. And we need to think about how we do that and support men as they get older. But also we need to make sure we've got role models. So we talk about Shinti today. Who are the role models who play, of men who are playing shinty, so that those young people growing up look up to those other role models of, say, actually, that's something I do, that's something I would aspire to that person because they're open about their mental health, they're open about supporting each other. Earlier, we heard from Joyce, whose son Gary took his own life back in 2014. Sharon is Gary's sister. Just before Gary died, I say we'd been on holiday with my mum and dad and we came back and Gary came in on a Saturday afternoon and the only word I would use to describe Gary was broken. He was in bits. He was in tears. He, nobody liked him. He had no friends. He had nobody to turn to. And this is what he was saying to us. And we were like, we're all here for you. Every one of us is here to hold your hand to help you through this. And that's the very last message I sent to him was, look, I'm your, you're my big brother. I'll always love you. Whatever happens, just know that we're here for you. Is there any one thing you think Gary didn't open up enough about? I think Gary was embarrassed. He just didn't want to admit he needed help. Yeah. I mean, five years ago, there was no mental health as there is now. And that's a massive change. If this five years had been brought forward, there would have been more support for Gary, I think. Well, I was going to ask you that. I mean, do you think there's more that can be done? There's always more that can be done. Always more. Even a drop-in centre. I know everything's down to volunteers and costs and things like that now, but... The community mental health here is only open from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. It needs to be 24-7. Um, and there is safe rooms in hospitals and police stations and things where if you are feeling like that, you can go, but there's not enough knowledge about these kind of things out there. Can you try and explain to us, if you can, what it's like to, to lose your brother to suicide? Everything just changes. I think growing up, I say myself and Gary, we're always really close. And it's, like, it's really, really tough sometimes. And there's times when my anxiety just doesn't cope. And I've been to the doctor suffering with depression. And I do talk about myself more. But I think there's still people don't talk enough about it. Do you think it's more difficult living and growing up in a small community? Yes. Everyone knows everyone. And gossip spreads like wildfire. Everyone knows the minute you walk out the door where you're going. You're worried that it'll get out to somebody else. And there's a lot of good groups like the shinty and the football, there's teams, but you can't be seen to be the weak one. And I think that's the biggest issue. You don't want to admit you've got a problem because it might make the team suffer. 
For so many families, not just here in Fort William, but throughout the whole of the west coast of Scotland, the sport of shinty is a rite of passage. It's an integral part of growing up with generations of families donning their local colours with pride and honour. In recent years, the importance of the health and well-being policy within the clubs has been recognised and looked at even more closely, and it's been of huge importance that some of the top players of the game have spoken out publicly about their own mental health. Graeme Cormack is the National Development Manager at the Camerack Association, Shinty's official governing body, who recently ran a pilot mental health awareness workshop with the help of Mark Fleming from Positive Mental Health Scotland. Mental health awareness workshops are, have been run for a long time by various different people, but we wanted to put it into a Shinty context so that the plan is now Mark is going to be training all the development staff on how to deliver an awareness workshop and then we will offer that to our clubs around the different regions. That's great news to hear, Graham. Do you have any other further plans for mental health initiatives? Yes, um, we're actually looking to identify health and wellbeing ambassadors in each club. We'll also be looking to extend the sports chaplaincy programme that we trialled last year with Kyle's Athletic. Shinty quite rightly has always had a bit of a pride that it is a community-based sport and within that comes some responsibilities to make sure that the health and well-being of your players, your supporters and you also give a good example to your local community so um, you know that's why we think it's so important for Shinty to be involved in these things. I've just pulled into a lay-by while driving the 110 miles back home to Glasgow. And with each mile, I can't help but go over some of the words that have been said over the past two programmes. But what has been very clear from every single person that I have met is that speaking out and talking to someone is just so, so important. The circumstances of each young life lost here in Lechaber have all been very different, but the impact on their families is clear. One of my friends was on Monday and I said, you know, what can we do? We need to do something. We got these fo posters printed and they're peelable and stickable. The idea is that you stick the, the poster on the inside of toilet doors. They can take a copy of a phone number. That's us saying, phone somebody, please. Five and a half years down the line and you still wake up every morning and think, you know, what happened? Maybe, and then you take his kids up to the grave and stand with them. <sighs> one of his sons, this is just one day, can I don't you take me up? He put a wee Lego man and he put it on his grave. That's just so my dad's got something to do, <laughs> play with Lego man. <laughs> and I was saying, oh, we're up the grave yesterday. Is Lego man still there? <laughs> you know, everything changes, everything. You think for the kids, um, but after Gary died, we found out he did a, a daughter. We knew he had three sons, so we met her about six weeks after Gary died. And <laughs> she came in at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'll never forget it. And at 12 o'clock, the mum says, right, come on then, we need to take you to nursery. I don't want to go to nursery, I want to stay at my granny's. Oh, you know, yeah. and she's been a joy. The kids, the grandkids have kept us going. Biggest thing for me is I moved back to Fort William and it's got me closer to all the family. I just think mental health is something really important and just talk, just open up and be that person to let them open up to.
I mean, our lives are never going to be the same, but if we can prevent one family feeling the way that we feel, it absolutely has to be worth it. Tell us where your life's at now. So I've got my wife, thankfully, <laughs> two kids, I've still got my job, my house. You know, I haven't lost anything. But my mindset is far better. I've got two kids that I want to see grow up and walk my daughter down the aisle and whatnot. And in the meantime, I'm doing a lot of volunteer work with kids. Going forward, I'm wanting to see them maybe be future stars of Fort William <laughs> Shinty Club, you know. You're here to that. And, uh, <laughs> and they're doing great. And I couldn't do it that night, you know. Almost too scared to do it. So for someone to be in the position where they're able to do that, I mean, that's... Uh, that hits hard. But, like I say, if you are struggling, certainly. There's a lot out there now, you know, you see these phone lines and whatnot to phone and they're all confidential. I think you just need to take a step back and speak to someone. You know, there is light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, because I think that, personally, two of my best mates would still be here had they spoken. I'll never forget the last time I met one of my friends who died and as we parted ways, he raised his glass and shouted across to me, Gary, here's to you and here's to me, before he finished his drink. And as we end these two programmes, you'll hear a little of a song that I wrote in memory of him, along with other boys and teammates who are sadly no longer with us. Far from the dream fields Where we made our history Until we meet again, my friend, here's to you and here's to me. The six men that we have lost at Fort William Shinty Club over the years is six too many. Their deaths have without question left a hole at the club and had a lasting impact on the local community. And sitting across the table and looking into the eyes of their families and loved ones who have shared with us their stories while reliving the worst moments of their lives is just heartbreaking. But I also must once again thank each and every one of our contributors for being so open and honest with me. They were Joyce, Sharon, Patty, Sheila, Marianne and Bobby, and Alison Smith, Karen Smith, Professor Rory O'Connor, Stephen McTavish, and Graham Cormack. I've learned so much about mental health and suicide prevention while recording this documentary, and every single person we've spoken to, from family members to professionals, have all said the same thing you must talk. If you're feeling suicidal or you're struggling with your mental health, please, please think about opening up and talking to someone you trust or a professional. It really is the first step in getting you the help that you need and that you deserve. If you're in any way feeling that you might want to speak to someone and would like details of organisations who offer support and advice, please go online to bbc.co.uk forward slash action line or you can call for free at any time to hear recorded information on 0800 066 066. If you missed our first episode, or you would like to listen again to Six Men, then you can do so on BBC Sounds for the next 30 days. From me, Gary Innes, stay safe, and thank you for listening. So until we meet again, my friend, here's to you, and here's to me.